Hats Off is an edutainment podcast that is in no way a substitute for clinical assessment, diagnosis, and treatment. The views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and their guest. Mental health is defined as a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. But sometimes we have to get real, and that's when we say, hats off. going on we back now don't get comfortable because we said we weren't going to give y'all a lot of episodes but we just happen to have a couple of things on our hearts and so we don't want y'all to get comfortable with this Again. like back-to-back episodes we still we're on, we're on, on time, time podcast, podcast. <laughs> not when you want it but when you need it hey well <laughs> so yes and today like this is on time you you don't even know how on time this episode is. <laughs> so we're just going to jump in. So today, Earl and I both are tipping our hat to yes. an amazing, beautiful, spiritual, kind, light-filled. funny, light-filled sister, Dr. Marielle Bouquet mm-hmm. is joining us. Um, and we're going to talk about all the things. So just get, get your notepad out if you drive and pull over um, <laughs> because you're going to want to write it down and we're not going to repeat ourselves. So get let's get it dance. going. So get this dance. All right. How are you doing, Doc? And give her her things. Dr. Marielle <laughs> Bouquet. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Yes. Okay. I'm just having my life since being with y'all. Um, <laughs> Yes, so I am a psychologist, and um, I work primarily as a therapist in the New York area, and also as an educator um, in all things decolonizing the general and longstanding and Eurocentric lens that we've had in therapy and in systems of health um, overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of the work that I do just centralizes around that just like calling out anything that is falling within the umbrella of white ideology and just nonsense so yeah (laughs) yeah give them a little brief history lesson because I don't know if people I know we've talked about it a little bit but I don't know if the people really understand the colonization of mental health uh mental health really just started you know uh its inception is has been you know um it's been created as a system of colonization as yet another system that uh, creates a lens of pathology or a lens of um, inferiority for individuals that are uh, non-white. And and so we have so many ways in which that is expressed and reflected in the field of mental health. some of the more prominent ways are in the overpathologizing of black minds and mm. identifying 
um, individuals that present with a specific set of symptoms that are Black as having a stronger label or a more pervasive and chronic and um, aggressive label than their white counterparts, which then leads to more aggressive treatment, um, mm-hmm. leads to um, a debilitation to the extent where people aren't able to um, be functioning individuals in society. And we can already think of the multiple ways in which that can actually be del- deleterious or harmful you know, to people in their day-to-day functioning, right? And so mm-hmm. we have at our disposal within mental health, the capacity to really debilitate and disintegrate the life of a black life by way of the way in which we conceptualize the black mind um, and we pathologize it and we, we think of it as ill. Um, mm. so, um, you know, it, this field was actually not created for us. It was more so created to cater to the neuroses of white women. Um, and it was created by white men. Uh, and so that already tells you that lens by where, you know, um, therapy has actually been constructed. And so we're, we're basically trying to fit ourselves into a framework that was actually not created for us. And when we were invited to be a part of the framework as clients initially, um, it was to fit us into a framework that did not fit our lived experiences. And so there's just so much that, you know, um, is represented as oppression within the system of mental health within that regard, based on the ideology and the fact that it just doesn't serve us and it hasn't served us since it's information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So I have a follow-up question because I'm real big on, like, we are not responsible for the pain visited on us, but we are responsible for our healing in it. What do you feel like is the responsibility of Black clinicians because of that history and how we practice? Well, I think, you know, it's up to us to dismantle, like legitimately dismantle the system of therapy and like recreate a system that actually serves us, right? And that is, you know, it, what I mean by that is the actual structure of how therapy is run, right? Um, you know with clients of mine, like I'll go out into the spaces where we're meeting. Um, if it's a lobby, you know, in a clinic and I'm, I'm hugging my clients, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm talking to them like they're a person, right? Like I'm not, you know, holding my head up and, you know, kind of snuffing my clients. Like they're not, you know, like they're subpar or subhuman. Um, and you know, those are the kinds of ways in which the smaller ways in which we can actually like, you know, um, engage in a dismantling framework within the work itself, but it also happens in the room itself. It means that we bring in race and we bring in racism, um, into the room to be unpacked and talked about. Um, and it also means that as black clinicians, we're, uh, working with policies, um, with politicians and with individuals that are in uh, positions of power within systems to actually create a better framework to better serve the Black community and the BIPOC community so that we don't see the level of attrition that we're seeing time and again for for decades, you know, um, among our communities. Like, we don't stay in therapy very much, and it's because Mm -hmm. it is a space that isn't safe for us mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a very big task for Black clinicians. Unfortunately, 
we have to not only give therapy and, and do the work, but then also like be advocates in this, in this work and dismantlers in this work. And, you know, it's a lot of hats that we have to, to wear, but that's what the work needs to look like from our end. I think I love the most about just the smallest little piece you brought up was just the connection with the client of just, because so many times when I hear, I always, whenever I do a screening with a client before they come see me, they always, I say, what's your interpretation of therapy? And they always just like, well, oh, I just feel like I'm going to come in and they're probably going to like be sitting up tight. And like, you know, just they have this perception from the media that it's just literally like you're sitting there with a book and you're kind of listening and looking, but it's like, I'm being judged. And I love that you just brought up like the hugs, like, I call my clients when they say, like, girl, what? Or boy, like, you know, it's just like, given that almost mm. like they're just having a conversation with a friend, mm-hmm. I just love that. And I think that piece alone, you see all the time on social media, people's like, I can't wait to go tell my therapist about this. Or they'll be like, child, what Earl said, like, I've seen friends that'll name their therapist in their post. You're like, who the hell are you talking about? And they're like, oh, that's my therapist. But I'm like, they'll be very much first name. Like, well, Earl told me that this is how you should be addressing, you know, like those type of things. And I think that just really, takes a pressure away from just the whole sense of I have to be almost like I feel like clients think they have to come to sessions I got to be perfect to present to this Mm -hmm. person when really you're coming here to heal Mm -hmm. I love that so much because that's basically like us bringing us into that space like we're Mm -hmm. here and we're showing up just as we are we're community Mm -hmm. people and you know that this is how we talk about each other just in general, and that's how we're going to talk about each other in the context of the relationship that's held in therapy. That like, Earl, that's my dude, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. like, and and to to hear that anybody would be relating to you or to any of us in that way is so heartwarming because you know that means that they feel held, they feel in community, mm-hmm. they they feel like we get them, you know, and that's so important. It's so yeah, cute. it's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Right. And I, I think, interestingly enough, that is something that even though like whiteness has expected from us, it's not something that they recognize that we have with each other. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a there's often a like a comfort level with me when I have like white clients because of my black like you know what i mean like they expect me to hold them like you know what i mean i think it's their ancestral experience of my people that we hold them but then there's a discomfort with us holding each other when i think about how difficult quotation fingers it is for them to comprehend our collective rage when one of us is murdered in the street i'm like but like like we're a collective like you know, like we have all the feelings for each other as a community you know what i mean like it's like they they can understand collective rage for them over losing a hockey game <laughs> but not our collective rage for seeing you know what i mean like i had to tell one of my friends you know who's a white guy who's an ally and it's in the streets. Like he's doing the work that he talks, but he had sent me some videos and I was like, I need you to be clear. When I hear uh, George Floyd say, mama, I hear my son's voice. Mm. And when I hear screaming, screaming mothers, I hear my own. Like, I don't need you to show me my pain. Mm-hmm. You watch it. 
because you need to feel all the discomfort that shows up in that. But I got it already because we are a collective in our pain as well. And so I found that, you know, that is kind of taught to us. So like when black girls and school are sitting together, then they're like bad. You know what I mean? You got to separate them and move them around and not let them, um, and you know what I'm saying? Like where Mingle. that's not the same. Right. Where it's like, that's just them wanting to be connected, but that is not valued and seen as that in, in the way that it is for us to show up for whiteness, if that makes sense. So I got like two thoughts on that. Cause I feel like uh-huh. one, that's a power and control thing. Like just the whole thing of like, if I keep y'all separated, y'all are not going to congregate and build power and build rapport and realize you're a force versus if I separate you. But I also thought about like, I honestly think sometimes not all white people, some white people have this idea of like, well, why can't you just disconnect from it? Like it's a switch, but Mm -hmm. they really just think, oh, well, you can just disconnect because that's not you. But it's like, that can easily be me. Like, in, a, in an hour, that could be me. That's how right. quick it is. But I really think they have this whole just like mindset of disconnect from it. The expectation for us, but like what you right. said with hockey games or even if Lord forget, be like a lion or something is shot, like it's an uproar, <laughs> it's change. We need to put these laws in place. Yeah, but a lion, like a butterfly. Literally, like, like right, a tree. Show so up for animals. Right. But you want this human life this lifespan mm-hmm. that could be over a hundred years of longevity, you don't care, but something that, and not saying that all life is important, but that's a 15 year max probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're in an uproar about. Yeah. Which is just crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. And I wonder actually if that hinders our ability to evolve in those ways. Like when I, like, because my humanity isn't honored, I'm like, you know, even though I understand the things of the earth, and so, like I have some resentment sometimes when they're like, but the trees and the animals where my shadow self that I don't lean into, but I do acknowledge her because she's real shadow self court. They'd be like, I will strike a match right now. Like if you <laughs> say something else to me about this tree, but not about Tamir Rice, I will burn this motherfucker to the ground. <laughs> like say one more thing about this building or this statue this inanimate object and nothing about my humanity and watch me lose my shit. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, but then I'm like, but I want to care about the old oak tree. Yeah. But I don't have space because <laughs> y'all, you know what I mean? It's like, like we don't ever have space to, to engage in those ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like when they care about like, you know, stuff like a, like an old tree, they, they really frame they forget there's like such a disconnect between the fact that everything that's happening around like how we need to preserve the environment actually impacts people of color particularly black folk so much more yes um, please talk about that environmental you know health disparities <laughs> yeah and and it literally like it's like you know, a direct connection. Like we don't even have to like run in circles to try and figure out like, does it affect, like it's like literally affecting us, but the, there's such a disconnect between the fact that this, this actually ties to a black life or, or right. birth black lives. It's literally just about the tree, right? Yes. Like, everything is so disconnected. Like the lack of consciousness is so wild to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the need for increased consciousness is so incredibly like massive um sometimes i look at people 
that are, you know, situated in, um, you know, kind of white middle America. And I'm like, whoa, like they really lack even metacognition and consciousness. Like it's wild to me. And I'm like, how are we ever going to get to a place where these people have, have a capacity to capture, you know, the, 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 the entire systemic problem and even like their role in it. And it just, you know, it, it makes me, it infuriates me, you know, because mm-hmm. I think we're behind um, and it, it's actually really embarrassing just kind of like to, to think of myself facing the rest of the world as being a North American like person and, and residents and citizen. And, and to know that that's the face of America for the most part mm-hmm. and so ignorant. And so there's such lack of consciousness around connecting the dots on things. Um, yeah, it's, it's so wild. But to, to both of your points around like the congregation of black girls and women, you know, and black people, right? There's this perception of threat, right? That it, when two of us gather, there is an inherent threat. There can be one of us and there's an inherent threat. Turns out, yeah. Um, and so I, I always think, you know, they're, they're probably thinking, um, you know, anything that aligns with a the stereotype, they're either up to nothing or up to no good. Or they're, you know, likely to, you know, be devising some plan that's actually going to target me in some way. And I have to find a way to, you know, um, disband them. Um, And so I think that that's why there's been so much, you know, um, uh, I I mean, there's so many layers to this. I don't even know where to take it. But I think that there's just so much to say about, you know, their inability to actually tolerate us being in groups, even when it's, you know, us congregating for the sake of Black joy. Like it's just them. Right. Because none of that was ever part of the original contract. I think their inability to tolerate it is that none of that was ever part of the original contract. The original contract was that we would serve them until the end of time. And so anything outside of that contract, you know what I mean, feels unbearable. Because all things get passed down. Like we talk about epigenetics and how trauma gets passed down. But I'm like, so does racism. So does control. So does like all of the things get passed down. And so even though they're always like, yeah, but slavery is so long ago, then why are you so big mad? When I speak man to man, you know, when I black man say to white man officer, I don't understand why I'm being pulled over. If slavery was so long ago, if we're so disconnected from it and now we are equal, then can I not just person to person ask you a simple question? I can't because the epigenetics of your ownership of my people is when my black ass asks you a question, you get that how dare you. Mm-hmm. that was bred into you over time. And until people are, like you said, like the level of consciousness that they would have to get to to even receive that, I don't, like, I don't know what, what generation that's going to be. It, it, it's not going to be the millennials or the Zs mm-hmm. or the alpha. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think I've just seen people double down too much in it now that I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is, they, they are choosing to be unconscious. Their unconsciousness is a choice. And once people have made a choice, you know, a lot of times they try to stick to it. So, it, yeah, it's hard. 
So then what do you think, Marielle, we should be doing around our own consciousness? Because I think that like we can speak to they're not conscious. Right. But I don't know if we are either not at least not to the degree that we need to be for the kind of healing we need because of the kind of trauma we've experienced. Yeah. Well, since you said it um, <laughs> on that thought, you know, it, this is this is a little bit of a hard um, topic for me because mm. I, I struggle with how little we know as people about ourselves. And um, I struggle with even saying that because um, I I like to give us credit. I like to uplift us. I don't like speaking, you know, in ways that, you know, perhaps could imply ignorance. Um, I just have a, a very strong positive connection to Black people. And so, you know, but but... That is to say that it's not something that's personal, but more so just a, a, an observation around how, how much we've been socialized, very intentionally so, to not know ourselves, our history, and where we need to go. Um, and so it, it's tough. It's a tough conversation to have because um, we, the people that have had the privilege of consciousness, of enlightenment, um, can see some of the inequities and even we struggle with it, right? Like I feel like there's so much more consciousness that I can gain. Yeah. I feel like I can read until I am 110 and I still won't know enough about myself. I still wouldn't have done enough unlearning because so much of the ways that I've been socialized in my first 35 years of life are reflective of um, an untruth about myself and my people. And um, this is me as a, as a very privileged person with the, the privilege of knowledge. Mm. And, and then, you know, I come from Newark, New Jersey. And um, up until about five months ago, I, I still lived in Newark, New Jersey. I went back to living there after, um, you know, after I finished all my coursework and everything. And, you know, I, I am surrounded by my people and there's, a lot of um, dearth and, and deficit and people are just surviving and trying to get through the day. And there's just not enough resources to equip people to, to have that in enlightenment and heightened understanding of themselves, mm. how to take themselves, you know, out of their current state, if, if at all possible, because it's systemic. Um, and so it just, um, it frustrates me because there are a lot of us. I mean, I'm talking about only, you know, Newark, New Jersey, and just going back to my neighborhood, but just to think of the entire nation and even the entire world of mm -hmm. people like us that have been socialized um, and also that, for whom resources have been taken away so that we can't actually re-socialize ourselves in the ways that we need and revolutionize and push forward. Um, so I feel like even now, as we're doing an uprising across the world, we're doing it from a, from a position of um, not having the resources that we need, as many resources as we need to actually uprise to the extent that we can, um, because we have a lot of our people that just you know are still in survival mode if we talk about them but 
I don't ascribe to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but if you mm-hmm. we were to ascribe to some sort of a hierarchy of needs, our people are definitely, you know, still kind of working, you know, in somewhere in the bottom to middle range to try and find some point of self-actualization. We're still trying to find safety. We're still trying to find, you know, like basic physiological needs to be met mm-hmm. and all those things. Like, and so mm-hmm. how can we actually, you know, um, get out of the current situation that we're in when, you know, systemic oppression has made it so that we're, we're, we are kept at the bottom of the hierarchy. Mm, yeah. ah, it's tough. It's, yeah. I, I, I struggle so much with this conversation my mind goes in circles and mm-hmm. I get very frustrated. Um, and I wish that I could, you know, sit us all down in like a massive circle of millions of people, mm-hmm. all of us just like, you know, find, find our way to self-knowledge and then to uprising together. Mm, I mm-hmm. can't even begin to tell you how much I wish that that could happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and yet I know that there's so many of us that just can't get there so that mm-hmm. we can actually. I'm asking to your earlier point, like, I feel like there's so many directions you can go in it. But right. I think it's so many of us who can't get there and it's so many of us who out of fear don't want to get there out of just like, I'm, they've been taught to be comfortable or complacent mm-hmm. or this is just the best I'm going to get. And I yeah. think like, even if we look at generational things of hearing that, well, that's just how things are. Or this is just how we are when you don't have to be and it takes someone in the next generation or whatever generation to come and say, actually, we don't have to deal with this and we can do more. But I think like when you have that, thought of like this is the best I can get and if I make it to this inch a little bit better I'm better than what this last one was so I think like that mindset can also be crippling yeah yeah absolutely and I think we're also taught to get closer to whiteness and so that in itself is asking Mm -hmm. us to step away from whiteness and so then it's like ooh, like my I've been you know for centuries told whiteness is the answer and you're telling me to actually pull back from that, that can create its own trauma response. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like even like when I think about like the natural hair movement and how it's shifted and turned and, you know, my mom saying, when I retire, I'm going natural again. And I'm like, why, why are you not natural now? But, oh, because I would never be getting a job or it wouldn't be expensive. And you know what I mean? And then when I committed to being natural, just the fear is the word I feel like. Like there mm-hmm. was some legitimate, like, but you just graduated. Right. And I was like, I mean, I didn't have these words then in 04, but I was like, and they're gonna get this dance. Like, I don't I'm yeah. not putting that shit in my hair anymore. Like, I don't what does that have to do with anything? Um and yeah, and then and then experiencing it, the the questions and the looks mm-hmm. and the and having to stand in that when my body's like, oh, maybe you should get closer to whiteness and put a relaxer back in, and having to stand in the no, I'm gonna be uncomfortable until I'm comfortable, and mm-hmm. they can be uncomfortable until they choke, and we just gonna like they gonna get this dance, like you know what I mean, like they're gonna this is gonna happen, yeah. but yeah, but it's such against the the understanding. And I feel like that's where that that constant being conditioned to whiteness, I think that's why there's so much imposter syndrome because this is not, mm. I've been taught this is how I'm supposed to show up. And when I get here, I'm not, that's not comfortable with me because that's not who I am. And right. I want to show up who I am. But like that constant, well, this is how you're supposed to be. So when you get there, it's just like, am I supposed to be here? 
like yeah. this in this form, like, you know, and I feel like that's what fuels imposter syndrome so much. Mm. no matter what we we can't be them right so right it's literally a recipe for imposter syndrome anyways but Mm -hmm. this whole fear that we're collectively talking about like it's it's just a part of the the terror they terrorize us right into Mm -hmm. as you mentioned right earl and so like i remember there was um back in 2017 um I think it was, I had uh, held a workshop on microaggressions back then. And I remember um, having had like tweeted, uh, I used to have people like take a pledge to actually move the work forward and Mm. actually write in a contract that I would create where they would pledge like, I will, I will do everything in my power every day to to fight racism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those were educators. So within the school system. And myself and another black woman that were a part of that conference that were doing um, these workshops, um, we both tweeted about our experience and, you know, just very excited to have done so, right? Like I'm showing pictures of people like signing the pledge and everything. And these, um, this white supremacist organization and, and publication actually like took our tweets and um, created a whole article around it. And we got flooded with messages, emails, like the works. Um, someone, you know, made an, uh, like, kind of a, a, a semi-threat with mm. their gun and also to, like, report me to some other organization. I'm not familiar with the organization, obviously, because I'm not a white nationalist or so whatever. But, and then the other woman, she actually got a death threat to her email. Mm. And, um, and I remember that for a month, I couldn't tweet. I couldn't, I couldn't engage in anti-racism work. I couldn't. I was mm-hmm. so terrified. I was yeah. like, gosh, they threatened her life. Will they figure out where I live? The internet, there's like so many ways you can find out a person's address. There's so many ways that you can figure out. Like people know that, you know, where I go to school, like someone can be waiting for me out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were, you know, so many ways in which that fear brought me into a place of complacency where I was like, I'm silencing myself. I'm not doing mm-hmm. it because I, I literally cannot and I can't risk myself and my family. I'm good. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it does. That's what the terror does. Right. Like, mm-hmm. In Kentucky right now. Like, that's exactly. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, we're going to do everything to terrorize you in every way possible so mm-hmm. that you can say, you know what? Hands up. We're good. You know, mm-hmm. we're not, it's cool. Black lives don't matter. We're good. We're good. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Up to letting the face of the movement against Black lives be a Black face. Right. Because that is terrorizing in itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even like y'all don't even respect your lives. Look, as long as we get see, we got him close enough to whiteness that he'll turn his back on you. Yes. And I feel like that's what a when you have people like that going to my comment earlier, like, oh, well, you could just disconnect. I feel like that's how he's like, I'm not even. I'm mm-hmm. I got my fiance and us at our gathering in his yard. And it's like, I'm just disconnected. Like, see, if you guys just disconnect like me, we'll all be happy. Mm-hmm. But no, you're a pawn. And <laughs> successful. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's inferior. Yeah. Someone, um, you know, and they, they're usually white, 
well-intentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, someone had said to me one time, you know, in reference to me having a client that was black identified and was having a really tough time with the, um, the murders that were happening, um, you know, and this is, I think, something common that people say, like, even on the internet, like, you know what, why don't you like, tune out, like, turn off the TV, don't, don't engage. And, you know, I'm like, good and well, right? Yeah, you know, maybe I can, you know, ingest less of this information. But do you also want me to like yank out my black skin or something? Like, <laughs> right? Like, I'm still living in this black body. And if I got to go out and get groceries, then, you know, I already have to engage with a system of terror, right? Mm-hmm. So there is no disengagement. Like it just, right. thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it's so frustrating because there's this like perception that, you know, less engagement with um, the information that's out there about what's happening, that that's, you know, likely to lead to a person, you know, being more well than unwell now we know mm-hmm. that obviously like over engagement i'm no longer looking at images of, of black bodies mm-hmm. being, right like i have patients right. and i get that but there is i look at my nephew who is a beautiful kid with so many different you know he's just so multi-dimensional and i look at him as a whole human and and then i look at his he's dark skin with curly hair, like someone who literally reminds me, like when I look at him, I, I look at these other kids, I look at a Tamir Rice and, mm-hmm. I and I'm like, I really hope that you never have to experience this. I hope that I mm-hmm. never be, you know, that family member that ever has mm-hmm. to meet you because someone believed that your life didn't matter and that they couldn't see you in this multidimensional way that I see you mm-hmm. with everything, including your black skin. Um, and it just, you know, it pains me that, you know, that we have to have that, that moment, which I still don't know what to call it. I don't think it's necessarily grief, although I think grief is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an experience that we have to have as, you know, black adults when we look at the kids in our families and when we look at ourselves i i'm afraid i remember i was going through a moment where i was like will i be the next sandra bland this was still in mm-hmm. time and i was like will i be that will i be that every time i got in my car mm-hmm. no and i'm like and i'm a clinician like i'm someone that you know is supposed to have it all together and like <laughs> you know do the thing on myself, do some self therapy and all that, and I'm like, yo, I'm traumatized. Like, I'm okay. like, yes, Fun. yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's wild. Like, this yeah, is so, ugh, it brings up so much emotion, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how they can get it. The only thing I know, so I've when I'm in Tennessee, um, the like closest biggest, we were in the closest biggest town. I need to go to Walgreens, and I lock the keys in the car. So it's me, my white friend, and my son. And, you know, Carter's like, like his, his, his food got locked in the car. So now he's like leaning on the car in despair, like my French fries. So I'm getting irritated. Like, ain't nobody do this to you on purpose. And so my friend was like, well, let's walk to Little Caesars. And so I'm like, okay, so they go and walk to Little Caesars in this rural, you know, Tennessee area. And when I tell you, she came back holding the Little Caesars box shaking and she was like, 
okay, so I was so aware of who was looking at him, what the energy was around him. I was standing in between people. And she's like, you know, she's a white lady with some money. Like she has none of the, she was like this one guy came in with like a rebel flag mask. And I was just like, can you hurry up on the pizza? I got aggressive with the people. She was like, is this your life? Wow. I was like, yes. And that was less than 10 minutes. Right, right. And I was just like, you know, and she's like, but like, no, no like this is your, like, and she was like, how? Like, how do y'all do this? And I was like, right. And we do. All day, every day. I take him to get pizza all the time. And she was like, then she just like, then it's like washed over what her body had just been. Then she's like, sobbing. and I'm just like, how's your pizza? But like, I like, I can't take care of you in this. Like, I'm glad you understand-ish, a, a, a scope, a, a pinch and I can't I don't have a space to take care of you in it so I'm gonna just let you sit in the trauma the 10 minute trauma mm-hmm. and then maybe that'll encourage you to make sure you're always using your voice to yeah. speak against it Ooh. yeah but then she, she was like I don't like how do you I was like yeah and then after that I was like oh yeah this is probably not good for my body just the adrenaline like just the number the, the adrenaline and the you know what I mean like all of the things that happen when we're always in fight or flight like mm-hmm. that's what that's why we always are struggling with cancer and high blood pressure and you know we'll Heart appear issue. healthy and drop dead at 50 like that oh okay that that's what it is because sometimes that's it can even cool. feel like it's just like it's not even a thing anymore you know what I mean in comparison no. because you're so used to doing it mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I, I guess this is really, really bad. Like y'all are y'all are hurting us. Hmm. And yeah. see, it's interesting because it's like bringing up, speaking on the black side of, we all know what that feels like. But it mind boggles me that we will still oppress our members of the black community to have mm, extra layer intersectionality. Mm-hmm. So like, you know what that feels like, and. The, to me, I'm like, is that you getting a piece of the power and control of, oh, well, let me do it too. Because, mm-hmm. oh, not only are you black, but you're black and gay. I ain't. Mm-hmm. I'm not. What's the, the thing everybody say? You got two, three strikes. I don't have that many strikes. So let me go ahead and just mm-hmm. strike you out. Mm-hmm. It just makes me think, like, what makes you put someone else through that when you know the daily ordeal of, let me get out of bed and go into this unsafe world and pray I make it back to my bed by nighttime? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's, uh, learn terrorizing, right? You know, and mm-hmm. and, um, and and the the level of disconnect, you know, that can happen. Like, I don't understand how somebody can actually um, di- disconnect from another. A black person can disconnect from another black person um, because of their sexuality. Like, how how can you not see your fellow black person, right? Um, and and really like honor them as a fellow human being that's in the struggle with you. Um, and instead like actually, you know, ascribe to the ways that you've been socialized to, to see them as either inferior or um, whatever other I- ideas you may have about them, you know, because of their sexuality. Um, it's just, you know, I-, I think it's a part of the socialization while, I also, you know, think it's a part of what we need to undo and unlearn. Yes. Because um, it is pervasive and we are mm-hmm. literally like killing our people. Yes. Literally. Yes. Literally. And killing the people that 
started the fight. Like that's that show up the right. most. You're killing right. your biggest soldiers, your frontline right. people. More conscious people, right? Because we know mm-hmm. relegated to the position of being the most oppressed society, hold the 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 most clear view on reality, right? Mm-hmm. And that view because some of us, you know, individuals that are First of all, some of us individuals that are cis and some of us individuals that are um, that don't hold a, a sexual minority position in society mm-hmm. have a blocked lens in that area of a person's existence. Right. We need that lens in order to further understand the ways in which power is elicited in society. And we're mm-hmm. literally killing our people that are holding that lens, you know, for the sake of like heightened consciousness of the collective, right? Mm-hmm. Also just the fact that they're fellow humans and they're, you know, our fellow yeah. actually like, you know, breaking down um, psychologically and physically, right? Because there are ways in which we, we demonize and terrorize our own people in, in a psychological form as well. Absolutely, yeah. And it makes me think about, so I know I talked to y'all about the consciousness right before we started recording, but the video, the young lady, she was speaking, she was saying that it's so interesting between Democrats and Republic. And they was like, you know, so many black people identify as Democrats just because they say, oh, we're supposed to have these liberals because I'm a minority. They said, but then you have these super religious backgrounds or mindsets, or really, you're probably better fitted for Republican. But like, she just was bringing up, like, y'all have this idea of I'm Democrat because mm-hmm. I'm black. They said, but you're not really with the liberal and the rights for all. And your right. ideologies really fit with the Republicans, but you feel mm-hmm. like you can't. Like, she just was, she was she could have probably had a whole TED talk on this conversation right she, I hope she gets one right and she had a but not a TED talk. talk we need a black TED talk <laughs> oh oh now Trey talk yeah what is yeah. it Trey talk we need like, like yeah I love it yeah yeah. But like literally she just talked about it she was like we'll put our own people down and y'all have this religious standpoint of like I'm going to objectify and ridicule and put everybody else down they was like but you scream that you're a democrat because you're black but you're not following the principles of what this was and trying to get the rights for everyone. It was really right. interesting. The whole time, right. Conscious Lee was just sitting there, like, pointing at her, like, this, <laughs> I can't say anything, but yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I wonder if some of it is the idea that we could live life not oppressed feels so, like, far-fetched, so impossible that it's like, at least I can live life less oppressed than somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because there's no way we're not going to be oppressed. Like, they, they hate us. It is what it is. Like that I'm but if I can like, just be I'm less this. oppressed, mm-hmm. then, you know what I mean? Then that is, and again, all this is their unconsciousness. But you know what I mean? Is that the, 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 because I'm always trying to figure out like, what is the message underneath that, that is holding this belief in place? Because the belief is so irrational. There must be some irrational, like, you know what I mean? Like there's something you're clinging to that doesn't make sense because I can literally have the conversation with you on so many different levels, humanity, religion. I can tell you how you're wrong on all the levels and yet you're like, nope, I believe what I believe. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. okay, so there's something in your roots that needs I think it's this. like a safety thing. Cause it's like, a, ooh, yeah. I'm all these things, but at least I'm not. Right, like this is in your root work yeah. that needs to hold on to this. Because like your, your adult brain is not, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's about it's it's a drug of power, right? Like mm. you know, power is such a drug. We all like yearn for it because we've been socialized to believe that power is like you, you know uh, aspirational, right? Um, right. And and yeah, you know when when you feel like you're relegated to the bottom of society, you're gonna find a way to elicit power within yourself by seeing somebody that is you know further relegated down, you know, the mm-hmm. higher, um, and, mm-hmm. and try to, when we're talking about, you know, if we, if we can get into like our psychological brains for a second and, and think about defenses even, yes. Um, yes, you know, like to defend against depression and defend against the pervasive low self-esteem that we could have as black individuals understanding our lived reality in this nation, you know, mm-hmm. we have to create something or hold on to something that can make us feel like, okay, nah, nah, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm all right. Right. You know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that something is power over and power over on individuals that hold other marginalized identities within our very own community. Yeah. More, more notably, you know, individuals that are sexual minorities and there are others, right. You know, if there's a religious minority since Christianity and, you know, it's like, it's, as far as I know, right. in one lens, but it's, it's very prominent among us, right? Mm-hmm. And that being like the dominant religion and other religions are kind of, you know, um, you know, they, they just are probably held like to a level of inferiority than Christianity. Oh, like, right. oh, Especially yeah. in the South. When you come yeah. to the South, like if you hear of anyone being another religion, they're just like, what you mean not a Christian? And it's interesting because like if you watch Girlfriends, right. I love Girlfriends and I just was re-watching it and I forgot how like Maya will always be like, praise the Lord Jesus. And, like when she heard that Tony wanted to, like she's like, oh, well, I'm going to let Ty baptize her, like let her, not baptize, but let her be Jewish, their daughter. And she's like, only thing that black people got most is our, is our Lord. And you, they already <laughs> take so much from us and you can't let them. And I was like, or she could be raised in both and she picked and she might not pick either. But like, right. it just was interesting that Maya brought it up. She was like, all of us are Christians in Atlanta, Houston and like uh, California. Like she named the, like this, it was crazy. And I was like, this was on mm, TV. Right. <laughs> this is right. a sitcom. And they're pointing this right. out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if we're missing some of that. So like when I think back to like good times, which is before my time, but then like different world, like there was a level of consciousness, like the seed was being planted in some ways Mm -hmm. that I don't know if the different platforms are doing the same now in the same ways you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and partly because there's so much you know what i mean there's so many channels and places to look for materials because i'm thinking about what are the free or low-cost seeds of consciousness that could be planted you know what i mean like the instagrams and the like i think that's something that you do mariel i think you plant seeds well and i'm always trying to help black people understand like you are good ground yeah. So you're good ground. Your ground is good. I know the world tells you your ground is not good, but your ground is good. And so therefore any seeds that are being planted will flourish if they are good seeds. And so the ways that we can have more seeds planted of, oh, maybe I need to look into this more. Maybe this does matter more than I think it did, than I thought it did. Like ways that we could be doing that in mainstream, 
Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I feel like each generation, even if I think about sitcoms, their shows address a different. So, like, I feel like Girlfriends, they planted that seed about religion, but I feel like they did a lot of focus on like STDs and domestic violence. Like, I feel like each generation or sitcom mm-hmm. tries to address, I guess, what's the huge impact at that time because like Mm -hmm. even when i was watching episodes and they talked about like the status of being hiv and i'm just like it made me think like oh wow i remember these episodes and i look at how much now in 2020 like that conversation is way different like Mm -hmm. they're not talking about being undetectable and all these you know different things and what that means now but it is it's interesting because i feel like they talked about that a lot but now i'm thinking about different world and like all the other shows and how each it's like whatever is big at that moment. Mm-hmm. So it makes me like, what are y'all going to talk about in these shows now? Well, even Blackish. Blackish talks about right. being black. So I guess it's like right. each generation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Blackish does it. I think grown it. I'm not, gro- yeah, grownish. Like I was a little disappointed that there wasn't more consciousness yeah. in that one, yeah. even though it's the same people. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's going to be like the the stuff. Like, and I was like, oh, no, this is just about being in college. Just, uh, oh, okay. Like, it feels like they missed the mark. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is the thing. Like, the responsibility of those who know better is to do better. So, like, for mm-hmm. example, my son loves to draw. He drew this. He was, like, working on some, like, comic thing. He kept talking to me about it. And he brought it to me, and I was like, um, it's great, bud, but I need you to make the people Black. Yes. And he like looked at me and I was like, like, and he was like, well, I don't, but I guess was, I was just drawing it. I was like, I understand. It's not a judgment. It's just that you and I have been talking a lot about how important um, blackness is and how important it is that we honor our blackness. And you are incredibly talented. You started this little YouTube channel you're proud of. And so things you put out, you need to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. And so this, it's not enough for just you and I to talk about it. Now that we've talked about it, you and I are responsible for putting it out in the world. And so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the characters being white. I'm saying you're not white, you're black. And in this family, we edify blackness. And so I need you to make them black. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and maybe even switch it up a bit and maybe have someone who, you know, loves differently or believes differently or looks different, but they all need to be black. Mm-hmm. Love it. Carry on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to continue to, he's nine, you know what I mean? And I know that like, for me, my mom made me pick, like whenever there was like open-ended things in school, she made me pick the black thing. And for a long time, I was like, this is ridiculous. I should, I wanted to do, but I wanted to do babysitter's club. And she was like, no, that one little black girl from American Doll, that's, that's, that's the hell you're going to write about. <laughs> like, I'm tired of it. She was like, get your ass over there and write about the black. Like, you're black and your blackness matters. And I know if the system is telling you that it's, the, it's all the same and we're all the same, but we're not. And you need to know that and you need to uplift who you are. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's the hard line for me. You know what I mean? Because, again, it's about, like, well, I know better. And so I can say he doesn't know better and be like, oh, he don't know better. I'm going to let him. Or I can require more because I know better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like, when um, I swear, like, 
I'm already collecting. I'm I'm not a mom yet, but I'm already collecting stuff. <laughs> Whenever that happens in my life, like I, I got books, like children's books. Like what am I doing with children's books? But I'm collecting. Mm-hmm. Manifesting. I sure am. Yes. Sure. Right. Um. But yeah, I remember. You know, when my nephew was around that age, he's now 13, and um even a little bit before that where he kept saying like i want spiky hair and we were like what the heck is spiky hair like what is that um and then um we realized that it was the time where all the little kids were getting the mohawk mm-hmm. and the only one with the mohawk with tight curls right and so all the boys like most of them were latinx you know some white he i didn't realize this that he um was actually in a town where he was only one of a few black boys in his school. I didn't know this so until I started picking him up at school. And I'm like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. <laughs> right, right. I was like, what the heck? I, I tell my sister, like, right away, like, no, we need to socialize him around black kids. Like, he needs to be, like, he went to camp and it was all black boys. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I was like, this needs to happen now because I could already see you know, how he was self-deprecating and, and also, you know, um, idealizing whiteness yes, and anything that was close to whiteness, um, by way of his hair. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like, no, you know, this is how the self-hatred, the self-esteem issues, the self-concept issues, you know, start to surface, start to become ingrained and internalized. And then when he's an adult, it's going to be so hard, you know, to undo some of these things for him and with him so that mm-hmm. he, can, you know, engage in self-love and communal love. Um, and so it just broke my heart to see, you know, him at such a young age, you know, Mm -hmm. utilizing just these words that were racialized, but that Mm -hmm. actually one wouldn't know unless you really like attend to him and to, you know, to his language and what he meant, um, and ask the questions and, and look at his environment. And it's, you know, it's really frustrating that we have to work so freaking hard to just protect these kids, you know, from actually, um, just, just having all this harm done to them and to mm-hmm. their yeah. I, I like the point you made uh, I feel like this is so easy to miss the mark because they don't use the words that we would catch up on so like him saying spiky right. hair if y'all didn't investigate that or like you know be observant we would have totally missed the mark and then by the time you realize that there's an issue not saying mm-hmm. it would have been too late but it would have been so ingrained like Mm-hmm. If you would have been like 18, 19 now talking like, oh, you know, using the words of I just I wish my hair would be more flat or just like would lay down versus at six and five, they're not going to use those words. So like if you're not mm-hmm. catching it then mm-hmm. and you don't realize till years later, now it's going to take years of repairing that to get them back where they started, then building them up more to get them where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think there should be, we're shifting, hopefully we're shifting. Like I had this thought the other day where I was like, Carter hasn't seen color purple yet. Mm. And, you know, and he hasn't seen, like, I feel like at nine, I could quote color purple. You know what I mean? Um, I could quote. You really have a choice. Like, I had seen <laughs> Roots, you know what I mean? I remember when Alex Haley did Queen and we all sat there and just, like, there wasn't an option. It was we watching Queen tonight. Everybody be sitting on the floor mm-hmm. by eight. But I've been sitting with, I listen to the New York Times, The Daily, every once in a while. And there was an episode where this Black woman was talking about 
like the health disparities in women's health for black women and the connection to usually when they are starting, when we're starting puberty is when we're also being introduced to racial trauma in certain ways. And so like 10, 11, you're watching Roots, you're like, and you're imprinting this trauma while your body is shifting and changing its imprint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and what we know now is that there's a bigger connection to the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional than we've ever given credit to. And so when I'm watching myself be hanged and harmed and raped and mistreated and enslaved while my body is learning how to create life and changing to prepare me for the next phase, and then we have the highest number of fibroids. Okay. So you I know like what I mean? You're sewing in trauma with your yes. growing bones. You're literally yes. sewing it in into your yes. DNA. I don't know. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. sitting with like who I'm supposed to be as a black woman. Should he have already watched Color Purple? Like, you know what I mean? And it being like, mm, I think we're going to wait. Yeah. You know that? I think we're going to wait point. Um, I, I wonder about that too, you know, because I wonder about this generation and how they're internalizing information, racializing mm-hmm. information. And you know how we did, and and in the day, in the ways that we're we're different than they are. Um, and I I want to introduce my nephew, and my sister does too, and she does you know she does it in her own way. I'm a very involved aunt, <laughs> as you can see. I love it. It's and, rightfully so. <laughs> yes, I I love this kid. I I will protect him to the end of the earth. I just mm-hmm. you know, and so. Um, but I, you know, she and I, we have conversations about like, when does it feel like the right time for this information and for that information, you know, to be introduced into his psyche. And I struggle with that because, um, you know, there is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always wondering about like, how is he going to internalize the information? And at the same time, it is incredibly pertinent to his existence right right information like this is a, a matter of survival right mm-hmm. right hard it's so hard yeah and, and yeah. at the same time you know it's you know it's it's just um at the intersection of of thought those are the, the types of thoughts that we're having as a collective all the right time. yeah and I think we have some different resources now than our parents had. Like all my mama had was roots and a color purple, but I, Carter has the, be- right. Carter has the, because of them, we can subscription box that he gets every month that talks about black history in a certain way. And depending on what it is, like if it's the freedom riders, we talk about all the pieces of that. Mm. And so we talk about the dis- discrimination and the Jim Crow laws and all of the things Like we take it deeper than just, oh, read this little pamphlet. But it's not the image of a black man being beaten yeah. on screen. Like, you know what I mean? When it's time for images, we're going to watch Black Panther. Now, oddly enough, he, he really wanted to watch Harriet. And I was like, mm, and he was like, is it the slavery? And I was like, yes, actually. And but so he then, has the words for it. Right. And so then he just asked my mama, because that's what kids do. And my mama took him. And then he was like, no, no, you got He's like, I know it's the slavery, but you got to watch. It's different, mama. Like, it's not <laughs> the same. And I was like, oh, he understands the difference between mm-hmm. empowered Blackness and oppressed 
blackness um but i think part of that is because i've given him more like we've already been to the african-american history mm. museum we went to savannah for my birthday and we went to the like holding cells where they used to hold slaves where literally you step in y'all and it feel carter was like oh it feels different from here and then he took a step into him to here he was like mm. my body feels different and then when you look on the walls, it's almost, I'll, I'll send y'all a picture. It's almost like you can see the outline of people. Mm-hmm. And this lady was doing a tour and she was like, and the pictures change. Wow. Like throughout the year, the pictures on the walls change. And like, it was so heavy. And, and he was just quietly kind of just walking through, kind of having his own experience of it and feeling that in his spirit. For me, that feels different than him watching Ruth. And I think that's what I love about this generation. They have, their resources are more empowering. So I feel like when I've taught you an empowerment of look how great we are, I can show you the history of when people tried to take that power away. But you already have that framework and that foundation of just, I am fucking amazing. Yes. I come from greatness, but I'm going to, I'm going to now go look at when someone tried to take that away. Right. And how we right. got that bad. But like like you said, like back then, a lot of the movies, yes, it was to show us the facts. This happened. It was very much like this like today, I can't watch movies with like I haven't seen here. I can't see certain movies or shows mm-hmm. where it's slavery or just the negatives because mm-hmm. that's what I grew up on. I grew up watching right. both versions of Roots. Yep. Rosewood, like it just was all the things of like, and in a way, I was like, Lord, this thing is making me so militant. When I get to school, like the white people say, Hey, I'm just like, Why are you talking to me? But like, it, it's just like, <laughs> it gets you so because it's just all the history. It's like you're flooded. Yeah. But like, yeah. when you have like the double hand of just flooded, but and I have this power of this, we're so strong. Mm-hmm. And I have mm-hmm. movies that shows representation like Black Panther. Like, I just feel like this generation has, and I mean, I, of course, it's from people that watched the oppressive things and they were like, right. I'm going to come and recreate this for my people now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. There's so much. Oh. It's so <laughs> much. Yes. So how do you take care of yourself in the so much? If your commitment is to consciousness, yeah. how do you, uh, how do you rest and stay awake? I have moments when it's literally, I have to disconnect completely. And I'm talking about like, I have to watch something or not watch anything at all that Mm -hmm. um, just has healing power around it, you know, or, or is completely disengaged from my lived experience in its totality. Like I might watch like the secret lives of pets or something, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and utterly just straight up humor and just nothing to do with, anything that has to do with life um or i might you know just sit in silence like today i went um to my sister's house and you know we were just in family and i was gonna take a picture of how we were in family and everybody was on their phone but i'm sitting here like not on my phone i'm chilling you know i'm just like i'm with family like i'm you know i'm dipping in the food a little bit and like taking little little pieces while nobody's watching because that's my thing (laughs) that was gross but you know like and you know just hugging everybody and just enjoying their presence and just being with them and not having any connection with the outside world almost as if we are our own world and we're just Mm -hmm. without any of the outside pressures and any of the outside you know terrorizing of, of who we are as people 
Um, and those moments help to replenish me and restore me. Um, in addition to just like doing all the things that I, you know, tell everybody else like is healthy to do. Like I wake up every single morning and I journal and I have to journal until I am content and until I feel, you know, rested and, and neutralized. Um, because sometimes I might wake up and I'm like, oh boy, you know, um, the verdict came in last night and I'm just still mm -hmm. feeling, you know, the, the tension around that in different parts of my body. I have to do things around that. And so I have to journal. I have to listen to music that's healing. If it's Nina Simone or if it's somebody else, that has to happen. And it's literal, like, mindful moments that have nothing to do with um, anything that's happening in the outside world, but that almost kind of encapsulate me as almost as if I'm living in my own bubble. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I can create that bubble of safety, then it helps me to then, you know, get out there and do the work, feeling more replenished and feeling like my cup is a little bit more full. Mm. I'm wondering what, yeah. what is it like for y'all? I'd love to hear, you know, how, how other people do this too. Honestly, it's so weird. Cause as you were talking, I was like, what do you do? And I realized I have a lot of dance parties by myself. Yay. And when I mean like dance, I'll go from like, I'm going to give you coordinated dance moves to I'm about to look like Christina and Yang when they just jump up and down and like right. just jump in a circle. And I'll do it at random. And I have a lot of mirrors in my house. Um, and if I see a mirror and it's music on, I'm just in my own world. And like, I just say and thinking like, I just feel like dancing. But like, literally, I do a, a lot of dance. I love it. Just random, mm -hmm. just throwing, just, I need to dance. <laughs> Release that tension too. Get that. Mm -hmm. uh, all the tension yeah. we have trapped in our bodies, like what you said, Courtney, earlier, like all these like chronic illnesses that just surface from all that tension being, you know, encapsulated and then becoming these autoimmune disorders and all these things. Mm -hmm. you. It's just your body tired. Yeah. 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 Back. Fight back with the dance. I'm I'm all about that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think I'm most in my space when I'm creating, which is interesting because I'm really protective of it. So like I crochet and I sew and other things of that nature. And people are like, oh, why don't you sell that or whatever? And I'm like, cause y'all can't have my passion. And if I monetize this and it won't be my passion and I need it, like I need to crochet for me more than I need to crochet for you. Like y'all can pay me to do these feelings. Like, that's what you get paid before. I'm going to make this blanket or this hat or sew this mask or this dress out of the kindness of my heart and out of my heart's desire. Um, and then also, like, I sing. So there's times where I'm just, you know, singing out and, you know, I'm getting more into my spiritual understanding of yeah, like how all of it is, if you're like, it was Earl and we were talking, I think I asked you something about like, what do you think about witches or something? And you were like, you know, like if you're doing it in the light, like people, you know, doing things in the light. And so I'm really, really exploring what it feels like to do whatever I want spiritually, as long as my goal is to stay in the light. And so like I bought some tarot decks and I've been looking at moon rituals and you know really having into my crystal work and um yeah and so that has been healing and exciting and 
beautiful working on like learning more about the akashic records and you know kind of doing that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. sound healing sound bowl like that stuff has been really good and also i'm taking less care of white people Ooh. and their fucking feelings hello hello that's been a big part of it because i i operate in some white spaces and in those white spaces i've decided that you will like the code switch is off and so you will get me in my blackness Mm -hmm. and if that doesn't work for you by all means ask me to leave the space and i will oblige because it's your space and so i'll get the fuck out but yet if you want my magic you're gonna take all of me with it and you want my magic and so, so far, you know, whatever shit they talking, they talking it behind my back and they got their shit together in my face. <laughs> and I mean, for me, that's been the most healing mm-hmm. of like, when they make the comment, I say in the moment, oh, that was inappropriate. And let me tell you why. And then let me set the boundary. Like literally my new boundary with you is that I don't have to have personal conversations with you. Our conversations can only be geared to professional. And if you try to have a personal conversation with me, I will end it abruptly and remove myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they cry, and I. Oh God. But you can only be in charge of yourself. You wait. So let me go, like you said. You just sip on that water. Were you sipping on white tears? Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me get those. <laughs> Yummy. It's got a little citrus flavor to it. You got too much salt oh, in your citrus. diet, bitch. You got too much salt in your diet. <laughs> You need to work on that. Put some lemon in your water, ho. Your tears should not be that salty. I am My blood pressure can't handle that. Screaming. But yeah, like, yeah, just. Yes, I love it. Black and boundaried. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. I, you know, showing up authentically in spaces like is so important. Um, I still, it, it frustrates me, but I honor it as a part of my journey. And mm-hmm. okay. But I still quiver sometimes, like in my voice when I when I speak the power, mm. and it's very frustrating to me because I, you know, it's not just white folks; it's white assimilating folks, it's uh, non-black individuals that are people of color, um, mm. you know, that that have their own inherent privilege as well. Um, white Latinx individuals that begin on my nerves. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's like so many people that I find myself on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis having to speak to. And um, I am a very junior member of many of the places that I'm a part of because I, you know, just became um, a psychologist recently. And so it's something that, you know, I'm still working on, like just kind of making sure that I'm I'm holding space for the anxiety that comes with speaking to power mm-hmm. while also speaking to power. Like I haven't held back on a single statement that I needed to say yes. in like year. Mm-hmm. And it has, I mean, I'm telling you like, I don't know how I still have a job. I don't know how I still like, you know, am invited to spaces. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just telling how it is. And if mm-hmm. y'all you know, are uncomfortable, then y'all are uncomfortable, right? And right. there's so much power in, in showing up authentically like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Discounting the possibility of 
there ever being an internalization of an angry black woman yeah identity or stereotype you know there's so much power in that um but although i still have to you know kind of process that whole like quivering voice for myself you know um i'm still very proud of myself that i can show up authentically and speak to whomever needs to be spoken to on behalf of black mm. you know and i think that um that's something that i i'm hoping for all of us right especially yeah the- yeah i honestly feel like there's like a I don't know if this is like a spiritual protection, but I just feel like there's a legit protection. When you show up authentically, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone can take anything from you or try to discredit you. I just feel like it does something to other people where they're just like, oh, shit. They, okay, let me get in line. Let me just get right. in order. Like, right. I, I feel like it's just some kind of like shield. Like when you truly show up authentic, even when you have anxiety, but you're using that anxiety like to fuel you to continue to be authentic, I don't think anyone can do anything to you. Like, absolutely. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think all of that is authentic. Like, I'm like, my voice is shaking. You're so mm-hmm. inappropriate. Like, your shit's so appropriate. I am like enraged and scared. Because Earl knows me, I'm a crier. I, a lot of times, I'm reading people for feels with tears. Mm-hmm. And I'm, st- and you still gonna get this dance. Like, I'm still <laughs> going to read you get for feels. You know what I mean? Because you're going to not only sit with your behavior and my boundaries, you're going to sit with my humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. That I get to cry because I'm a fucking human being. And what you did was painful. And when you hurt people, they cry. And guess who's people? People is me. Mm-hmm. And so you have to sit with that discomfort. And then even though I honor my tears, I definitely don't pay attention to yours. Cause that's your job. It's your job to honor your tears. So you go ahead, Becky, honor your tears. I'm gonna honor mine. I mean, you honor my boundaries. That far. We've been catering to them tears for far too long. Far too long. Those tears have cost lives. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I have no space for the tears. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No space for the tears. Hear me both. Listen, but I do honor finish? my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Earl C B Earl C B read folk through the tears. Mm-hmm. And when you done crying, we gonna finish this conversation. Right, right. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to tell people. You can cry. I'm not mm-hmm. moving by. But when you finish, the right. conversation still will be had. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, and it's so necessary, right? Like I, the one time that I actually spoke behind my tears, because for me. Um, my rage usually is what's most prominent in a space where I need to speak, but it is also very motivating for me. So it helps me to actually verbalize what I need to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there's hurt behind it, and I acknowledge that for myself, the rage is what is, you know, is out there. And I don't care, however I'm seen. Don't care. You're right. going to hear what I got to say, right? Mm-hmm. I do remember when Philando Castile was murdered and that was the moment when um, the rage was just not sufficient and mm-hmm. the, the pain just surfaced. Like that primary emotion was what needed to be in that space. And I remember feeling so frustrated with myself. So I'm like, rage, come on. Like, you know, like you need to step mm-hmm. on that points of finger, you know, and like <laughs> it's all up in their face. Right. Um, but I think uh, I remember uh, the white women that were in that space empathizing with me, 
tears in their eyes and you can tell that it was like tears for and with me. And I, there was no empathy back. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care for the fact mm-hmm. that you're feeling mm-hmm. like, because this isn't about me. First of all, it's about, right. uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. about a larger thing, you know, um, than me. And, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, just the fact that it couldn't be reciprocated because I've, I've already been, um, so socialized to cater so much to white hair for so long that I, mm-hmm. I completely disengage. I remember actually being like sobbing and seeing their white tears and almost like all of my, my tears just kind of soaked back up. Like I was, mm-hmm. just, I, really hey. here. Like, <laughs> I don't know if y'all ever, that one of the first articles that I had to read um, in school was when white women's tears oppress women of color. By, mm. um, Akapati is her last name. And it's such a powerful article because it actually takes you through the whole process where something mm. happens, they perceive it as a threat, they perceive us as, as a threat, and we try to state our case. The employer or the institution doesn't hear us. We become villainized, right? And this surprise, mm-hmm. empathy shifts her way. And then we're further, you know, um, stated as like the person that's terrorizing when in reality they're the ones that were terrorizing us and it's like this whole process that really just opened my eyes um to the ways in which white tears have continuously oppressed me especially those by white women that it 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 shifted my entire relationship with white tears Mm -hmm. i no longer hold space for it i just can't i can't hold Mm -hmm. space for a white woman crying on behalf of you know, when white women, you know, carried a large percent of the vote to create the very circumstances that we're in right now. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's our job. So I've been saying to, you know, white people like, that's not my job. Um, And so on on all parts, like I just, what do I need to do? Google free 99. That's what you need to do. Who, yeah. who should I talk to? Not me. <laughs> like, you don't get my energy because you arrived at the party. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just showed up. And now you're like, I'm here, guys. I've been here for 400 years. Mm-hmm. This shit's in my bones. So I'm like, I'm, I'm tired. Like, I don't, I don't even have time to catch you up on the happenings. I don't have time to point you in the direction mm-hmm. of the punch bowl. You have to find all of that shit, the appetizers, the punch bowl, the music, the DJ, the play. You have to find all that shit on your own. I'm not, like, you don't get a reward for being late to a party that you help create. Right. Y'all set the foundation of this shit with, if nothing less, your silence. You know what I mean? You washed the white robes when your clansmen husbands came home. So you can't claim ignorance because you did the laundry, bitch. So don't come to me now asking for me to catch you up. Tell it. Because while you were washing his robe, we were washing our dead men, preparing them for burial. So I don't have it to give and you will not because that's just another level of ownership you feel like you own me and so when your white tears show up i become mammy and should hold you and be like oh mrs scarlet this how you don't be racist guess who ain't Mm -hmm. guess who won't Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
I'm not sure. Yeah. And that's part of the resistance. Oh, that's my dog. <laughs> I know. But I was like, did you step on her? But she has the cutest dog, y'all. I was like, oh, no. But he, tiny dogs get stepped he's on. Dramatic, that's all. He's just really. Uh, I have one of those. Bless. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what are your, like, what do you tell people who have realized they're not, they're, they want to be more conscious? What do you tell them? Like, is the, like they, they get it. They're like, I want to uh, enrich, like, I want to lift my consciousness. What do you think are some tangible first steps? Um, you know, there's some people that have already done the work. And I, I actually think that we need to read even the stuff that wasn't necessarily created for us. It's like mm. as a primary reader, um, mm -hmm. but that we can benefit from. Um, one one book that comes to mind for me, <clears throat> is, at least a more recent book, is definitely uh, Leila Saad's Me and White Supremacy. I mean, mm -hmm. like, oh child, that book, my goodness, like it was created mostly for spiritual white women, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. for, for white individuals, right? But the initial challenge was with spiritual white women in mind and you know ways that i have been able to you know reimmerse myself in the understanding of white supremacy and all of its components by way of reading this book has been so just transformative um so you know i i once had a not so long ago, I had a colleague that actually touched my hair, a white colleague, after six months of telling her, do not touch it, do not touch it, because she would always say, wow, it's different today. Wow, it's so curly. And wow, how'd you get it straight now? How did it? And I'm like, you know what? I see where this is going. Don't touch my hair. <laughs> and so, you know, and then, you know, um, she's walking behind me. Going, we're going up the stairs. And I just feel a curl being tugged. And she thought that I wouldn't notice. Um, and so my first line of thought after I like ripped her a new one was to say, go read this book, purchase this book, buy this black woman and support her, deposit money into her pocket and learn something. Come back to me in a month when you've read the book and tell me what you've learned, because right now I don't have the capacity to talk to you. So mm. that's. And I went around in the circle because it's mostly about us and how what we can learn and what I can learn. Right? But no, I get it. Yeah. yeah. I'm also like, what about that HR report about her touching you inappropriately? Now, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're going to do nine uh, homegirl. Like, I, it's going in her file. That was like, better put that shit in her file. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that was probably one of the more perceivably benign things that I had to go through and mm, right so it's whatever but um it's not whatever but I decided to pursue it in that way um, right. but I think that you know I I believe that we need to raise our own consciousness and I think that we we need to have circles of our own people where you know mm -hmm. we engage in race consciousness in the very same way that we engage in black joy right like mm -hmm. have these you know circles of you know we're we're doing whatever activity um that brings us joy and with that we can also talk about other things that can help us build each other up in that regard mm -hmm. incredibly mm -hmm. remember that our survival is also um a part of how we sustain that joy um, right and so yeah so 
that's um the reading is definitely helpful help me with the question again courtney oh just if someone's saying you know what i want to raise my consciousness as a black person part of the bipoc community um that what what are some tangible first steps yeah i think that i think um being able to read um uh books that can actually be enlightening in that way mm -hmm. I, I i ascribe to leila saad's book because I didn't really see any holes in it. <laughs> mm, mm. And I'm like, mm, hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I don't want to name none because they're, they're helpful and they, you know, they're out there and, and, and building us all up. But I think mm -hmm. that, you know, just, you know, doing that, that piece, being able to journal out, you know, one's own experience around one's blackness is incredibly important because remember a part of how we self-liberate is through that self-awareness and that self right. comes through you know being able to um talk about the ways that um we've been institutionalized and the ways that we've been impacted as individuals as well mm -hmm. right like learning mm -hmm. about all of the systemic inequities but also understanding how all of these has, have impacted us in our specific daily lives. I swear. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, like, I when you were like, you know, I'm, I was like, oh, there needs to be like consciousness groups. Like, see if you can get one or two other people to join you in the reading of the book and to talk about the things and maybe, you know, assign each other parts of deeper study to bring back like you know what i mean that sounds like a whole that sounds like a healing situation even in itself yes i used to have um a book club and i'm sure that they're everywhere like well-read black girl definitely has like you know um a number of ways in which they elicit you know like reading um as a part of like you know consciousness raising and and you know other organizations you know do the same the schomburg just had like a book festival this weekend mm. Um, there's just so many, you know, ways that, you know, people are trying to get into collective consciousness. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we don't necessarily always have to rely upon institutions or organizations to do these things for us. We can actually do them ourselves. I have a, a monthly group, um, of women who, you know, I went to school with in, in different areas and different fields of study. And it's only four of us, but we get together every month and we have conversations about what's going on in the culture, right? You know, mm -hmm. and impacting us. And then how are we doing within these systems that we're a part of? Mm -hmm. All of that is part of the collective consciousness that we're, you know, engaging in, in in this very small group. It doesn't need to be like anything like that's all that major, you know, it just needs to be something that definitely puts at the forefront of um the experience doing the work and raising consciousness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah what about you earl what would you tell someone thanks bye on this plan especially as a black male once i go to therapy because if it's a black man asking me i need you to go figure out where your roots are so i'm always like therapy um, with a black therapist um, yes um but i do a lot of reading so i would tell them to read books as well but i just think mm -hmm. like one i don't like to believe people when they, they say they don't know i know you're not just mm -hmm. waking up. you might be up like 
taking the lens off, but I always like you knew this was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I one, I want you to really go sit with that. Um, and mm. sit for why it took you so long to say I finally get it now. Because I think if you understand that, it'll everything starts clicking. Like, and I think that's one acknowledging, like, oh, I was choosing to do this. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of things that we all are going through in life, like, oh, I had this type of mindset during this time, but it it shifted. Mm-hmm. So I think acknowledging the shift and what was the reason for the shift. And then as you're learning, make sure you're bringing on people with you to learn. Mm. Um, but I don't like teaching. I'm not a teacher. That's why I didn't, I didn't <laughs> become a teacher. I don't want to have to teach you things. It's a difference between teaching you and helping you. But I think one, just really going to a therapist and doing your own. And then once you've gotten those tools, you can now start educating yourself more. Mm-hmm. But I think you got to really like understand why you had that concept, that mindset in the first place. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for me, I think having at least one fully unapologetically black space, I don't care what y'all even do in it. Healthy black space. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I want y'all to be healthy. Um, but even that, like if y'all like, yo, we unhealthy as fuck. Okay. Well invite somebody who can help y'all start moving through that. You know what I mean? But like, just, I don't care. Y'all can crochet. Y'all can color. Y'all can cook. Y'all can hum. You can watch the same TV show, but just this consistently meeting Mm -hmm. space of blackness. I think just that raises the consciousness around what it feels like to to exist in a non-white space. Mm-hmm. Part of my consciousness has been raised from just being in non-white spaces, being in black spaces mm-hmm. and being like, oh, oh, there's some shit we don't have to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. oh, so that means there's some shit I do feel like I have to do. Mm-hmm. Do I have to do Like, you know what I mean? Just that yeah. has shifted some things for me. So finding those spaces and being unapologetic about those yeah. spaces. Um, I also agree with Earl around like, what, what do you, what's your original view of Blackness? What, what do you think Blackness is? Mm-hmm. And where did you gather that information? Who told you that? Where'd you see it? And see if you can find an opposing view. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So if I think all I can do is this, all I can be is this as a black person, we'll find a black person who's not that. Yes. And, f- and find out why they're not that. You know what I mean? Being curious, using the resources that we have that are free, the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Now you got to do some research. You got to vet some shit because when it's free, everyone can post on it. Mm-hmm. Everyone can say whatever the hell they want. So you are going to have to cross reference mm-hmm. and do some things. But if you have several free platforms, then at least you could do is cross reference. Mm-hmm. You ain't paid for nothing. You know what I mean? That's the least we can do is cross reference. Um, yeah. Love- that also invites in, you know, um, intersectionality, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, into our own lives, like the voices of people that, you know, don't share our intersections, right? And, you know, it's important for the sake of honoring the fullness of our own Blackness to honor mm-hmm. the fullness of the, the right. city. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have to expand, like, for example, like in Black hetero spaces, like, 
we have to expand beyond just being in black hetero spaces. Absolutely. That in and of itself is heterosexist and we have to mm-hmm. understand it all within the same umbrella, you know, of mm-hmm. how they keep us down. And so, you know, um, to be able to expand our spaces to, to be inclusive and, you know, to be incredibly intentional about doing that on a daily basis is something that is also liberatory for us all. And we have mm-hmm. to do that work. Absolutely. Don't get stuck in no hotel spaces. Yes, yes. That's I don't what want I'm... y'all with a group of hotels. That's right. I'm... Don't, don't, don't be in a no. group of... <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, so that was the last thing I was going to say. Figure out what rung of the oppressive ladder you're on. Ooh, yeah. And then get off that bitch and burn it. Like, what <laughs> rung of the oppressive ladder? Like, who do you think is beneath you? Mm-hmm. What black people do you think are beneath you? own that shit and then get off the ladder i'm about to read uh, i think it's sonia renee taylor your body's my body's not an apology mm. and she was on i was listening to her on Brene brown's podcast and she was like i was just talking about her yeah she was she like was the ladder is made up she was like this the system is the ladder mm. like because Brene was like well could you climb the ladder through she's like no no the system is the ladder if we all just mm-hmm. get the fuck off the ladder the system would crumble like get off the ladder so figure out what wrong you're on who are the people that you don't fuck with even though they black like let's be plain mm-hmm. you don't agree with them you don't like how they show up you don't like and we all have it you know what i mean as inclusive as i am in certain ways there are certain types of things in blackness that make me uncomfortable and i gotta sit why is that why are they why mm-hmm. am i uncomfortable with them and black differently than me yeah and so that's the, the rung I sit on, and then I need to own that, and then take my ass off, and then intentionally connect with those people. Word, that's the word. Mm-hmm. That is a word. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked a lot, so we're not gonna do a question, but we do this thing, Marielle, called "That's Not a Thing," where basically we just let the people know what's not okay, because there's a lot of things people think are okay, and we're like, you know what? That's actually not a thing. So we'll give you some time to think about it while we come up with our own that's not a thing. Um, that's not a thing. Earl, you got something? I do. So my that's not a thing, I kind of already said it, but this whole idea of I don't know where I've been this entire time, I can't believe I'm just recognizing that's not a thing. You know where you were. Just say, I am sorry. Let's hop into it. Like this, this whole explanation of, I've been so blind. No, you weren't. You just were choosing to disconnect. Let's use the right terms. Let's use the right words. Because if you come and you start saying these, this hot air, you're not still not really seeing it. So that's my, that's not a thing. Because like you are that. blind. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can see. Yeah. Well, Stevie, yeah. did you hear um oh, Stevie wanted to say that night? He's like, I can see the bullshit. Like he yes. literally said this other night. Yeah. And yeah. He so yeah. I love it. I you can see that hard cackle when Stevie said that. <laughs> I love it. Um yeah, like willful ignorance is not a thing. Um the decision to not look at the fact, like we can't afford it. I get that there are people are on different levels right now. I get that. And the willful ignorance we cannot afford. Mm -hmm. 
the idea that we are not a collective, we can't afford. And so for me, what's not a thing is those who are deciding to be willfully ignorant about the parts of blackness that make them uncomfortable. If you don't understand it, check, you don't understand it and we're gonna reach back for you. If you're choosing not to understand it because it makes you uncomfortable, and I would really encourage you to sit with why it makes you uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Usually things that make me uncomfortable are things that I desire or you know, I don't think I can have or I deeply want but don't think are good. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking to you bigots. I'm talking to you homophobics. Um, there, there, there's some stuff in there that you need to sit with because you're going to cost us the movement if you are so completely committed to your willful ignorance. And also, if you're going to commit to it, keep the party going. Keep that same energy. And when the movement gets going, make sure you stand in place. Like if you if you don't believe all black lives matter, then when all of us start going, remember, like, like we take we are taking the gay people, the trans people, the non-binary, the the differently able, like we're taking all of them with us. So if you don't appreciate them, you can stay here. Like you don't have to come to the next part of the movement, but you don't get to be willfully ignorant and, and a bigot and then jump on the train. When it when you start to see the benefits of it, especially when them people that you just named the ones driving the train, right? You on Matrix, right? <laughs> right, right. And you know me, I'll stand at the door and be like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait hold on, let me go back to your Instagram." <laughs> oh, you was talking shit last week. I'm sorry, that ticket is null and void. You should reach out to that dude. That you should reach out to the Attorney General of uh, Kentucky. He can teach you how to assimilate. Oh Jesus, Hello. spirit. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Either you with the people or you not. Hello. What you got, Marielle? Um, this illusion of power that you mm. think you have um, by way of suppressing uh, other people within your very own community um, and, you know, eliciting violence upon the very people within your community. That's not a thing. That mm-hmm. needs to go and that needs to be burned to the ground. Okay. Um, it is a part of the ways in which we have been socialized to disconnect from one another. And let's not forget that um, all of that is fits within the framework of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we need to see it as such. Um, and we need to do away with it. And our need and drive and hunger for power is not something that is innate within us that doesn't fit within the framework of our people and especially when it's power over and violence mm. over our very own um so let's go ahead and burn that yeah <laughs> there's no room for it i love all. that i love that yes always be checking if massa got motives in your behavior Mm. Are massive motives in your behavior? Only massive would want you to oppress your people. Hello. Yeah. Well, tell the people where they can find you. Where do you want the people to find you? Where can they stay connected to the doctor? I hope in more spaces <laughs> like this. This was so. <laughs> <laughs> 
like this is everything of how I want to be spending my night. Yes. Um, and um, most regularly on IG at Dr. Mario K, um, for sure. I'm on there a lot, and you know, there's a lot of communication and connection that I um, hope to elicit on there. So find me mm. on there, y'all. Absolutely. She'll do a meditation with you, a good mm-hmm. sound bath. Like, yes, Lord. Get yeah. in, get in there. Yes, absolutely. We get into it. We get into it. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us. This has yes. been amazing and healing for the soul. And we hope y'all took notes and got the things or you're going to rewind it because like I said, <laughs> we're not repeating ourselves. So <laughs> you can check us out on all the things. We are Hats Off Podcast CLT on Instagram and Hats Off Podcast podcast on facebook yes send us questions for the questions of the day segment at hats off podcast at gmail.com also follow our business pages my instagram is earl martin lcsw my facebook is also earl martin lcsw and nate virtue counseling i know that's long but you're gonna get into it um and also my website is earl martin lcsw.com and I am Courtney Leak LCSW on Instagram and Facebook. And then my website is CourtneyLeakLCSW.com. So we love y'all. Stay black and boundaried. And until next time, be you. Be true. Hats, hats off. off.